Merry Christmas, everyone. It's finally here. Hooray! Christmas Day. Who's happy that it's Christmas Day? Hooray! Yes, yeah, I'm very, I, love, I love Christmas. That example of a biblical hope that we used at the carol service, that we're waiting for it to happen, is finally here. Unlike how we use the word hope in, in English, where it's just, an, in a way, another way of saying we wish it, this happens, I hope this happens. When the Bible uses the word hope, it is something that is guaranteed. It just hasn't happened yet. And so we just have to wait for it with patience. And at the right time, God will bring it about. Who here likes Christmas movies? Uh, lots of people. Okay. So Anna, as you were so enthusiastic, what, what is one of your favourite Christmas movies? Home Alone 2. Yeah, a good one. And Home Alone 1. Not Home Alone 3, though. That's, that, it goes, no, it's not so good there, is it? Yeah. Die Hard. That's a, yes, yeah. Apparently that was Janet Johnson's uh, favourite uh, Christmas uh, uh, film as well. Any other favourite Christmas film? Sorry? Santa Claus a movie. Erin? What's your favourite Christmas film? The Grinch. The Grinch. Oh, there you go. Hollies as well. As well. Okay. Yes. One of my favourite ones, apart from obviously the, the snowman and then the snowman and the snow dog. Oh, go on then, Ben. Ghostbusters, okay, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. was that a Christmas movie? Okay, one of my favourite ones as well is Merry Madagascar. I really like Merry Madagascar, where, where Alex the Lion gives Father Christmas amnesia, so they have to go and save Christmas. My favourite character from the Madagascar series, though, is got to be King Julian. Who here likes King Julian? Yes, yeah, he's great, isn't he? Makes you feel warm and tingly inside, like pinworm. I love that, 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 that comment. But anyway, you see, there's, a, there's always a similar thing, a theme about Christmas movies, isn't there? That everything's fine, it's all okay, and then something goes wrong. Is it going to ruin Christmas? Oh no, everything's going to go, go terribly wrong. But then the heroes come along and they save the day and Christmas is saved. You then, uh, go on then, Ben. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Okay, that's enough Christmas movies now. <laughs> We've had enough of them. Yeah, no, no. You can watch plenty more this afternoon. But then you get those slightly scarier Christmas films, don't you? Like The Grinch, where there's a, where there's a baddie and he's out to destroy Christmas. And, oh no, it looks like he's going to destroy Christmas. He's certainly going to do it. What can save the day? And then all of a sudden, last minute, the heroes come along and they save the day. And Christmas is saved. Phew. We get caught up in the emotion of it, don't we? The, uh, the, the, the worry and the concern and then the relief at the end that it's all okay. Sadly, sometimes in real life, that's not the case, which is why we like the movies uh, so much, because they take us out of real life sometimes. Sadly, sometimes in your school or in your workplace or even in your own home, there can be 
somebody there that, that just sort of seems to always dash your hopes. You have your hopes set on something and they seem set against you to make sure you don't get what you want. Your hope gets crushed. And the Bible tells us that the devil is out there and he is our adversary and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus himself says the devil is out there to steal to kill and destroy people's lives. And so, if this is true, does this mean that our hope in Jesus isn't so certain as we might think? Can, can our hope in him be crushed in some way? Well, my friends, the great news and the resounding uh, truth that the Bible reveals is no, not at all. Not one of God's words will fall to the ground unfulfilled, let alone his promises that he makes to us. It says this in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you're in Jesus as well. So while life does take many unexpected turns that take us by surprise and confuse us, they don't take God by surprise. It's just you and me. And even when we fail, which we all do from time to time, it doesn't catch God off his guard. He's not thinking, oh no, they failed. What, what do I do now? God is in control. Let's look briefly at the life of Jesus to see this wonderful truth played out perfectly. You see, you get in Matthew chapter 2, don't you, the, that lovely story of the wise men coming to visit Jesus and they're there, and they, uh, they, they see the star, they follow it, and they think, well, where do I go to see the newborn king of the Jews? Well, let's go to Jerusalem, where King Herod is. King Herod is sitting there thinking, I haven't had a son uh, recently, so it can't be me. So he summons the wise men. The wise men, uh, uh, not the wise, sorry, summons the wise men, summons the chief priests and the scribes as well, and they say, ah, oh, well, the king of the Jews, the promised king, He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So you need to go to, to Bethlehem. Notice that the wise men go, these foreigners go to see the, the king of the Jews, but the religious leaders do not. They, they stay in Jerusalem. Herod, on the other hand, has even more dastardly plans up his sleeve. So he summons the wise men, say, go and find him and then let me know so I can worship Jesus. That's code for get rid of any any uh, potential adversary to, to me. And uh, so, will the most powerful man in that part of the world be able su to succeed? He certainly seems to have no problem uh, killing anyone who he, he likes. Well, God intervenes, doesn't he? And he gives the wise men a dream, telling them not to go back to, uh, to, to Herod, but to go back to their own land via a different route. And then just before Herod unleashes his plan of, of, of getting rid of all the, the baby boys under two years old in that area, he gets, gives another dream to Joseph. And Joseph and Mary have to flee to Egypt. Confusing, inconvenient for Joseph and Mary and their family? Yes, definitely. But actually, the Bible is clear. God does it to fulfill his word, what he has spoken. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15 says, 
This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Despite the wicked actions of men and no doubt evil forces behind them, God's purpose is upheld. It cannot be crushed. And the same is true for God's purpose in your life and in my life as, as well. And you see this displayed wonderfully throughout the life of Jesus as well. It's not just around his birth. You know, he, he feeds 5,000 people and the crowd are so excited by this, they decide, well, he's got to be the, the chosen king. And it says they take him by force as if to make him their king. Can anyone stop this mob? That's, what it is. That's the impression you're getting. And then all of a sudden you get these words that Jesus just slips away through them and withdraws to a desolate place. Another time he's preaching in Nazareth, his hometown, and he says something that offends people, and they grab him, and they take him up to the, the, the brow of the hill, and they say, they're going to chuck him off the hill, down the cliff. Can, can anyone stop this crowd doing that? And again, it just says this in Luke chapter 4, but passing through their midst, he went his own way. How does he do that? The Bible doesn't tell us. Several times in Jerusalem, they pick up stones to stone Jesus, and they're going to kill him, and yet they can't because his time has not yet come. In John's Gospel, John chapter 7, John sums it up like this. He says, No one laid a hand on Jesus because his hour had not yet come. You see, no one can stop the purposes of God happening At just the right time, God brings about his purposes and we can trust him. We can hold on to him and trust him to bring about his purposes in our lives at just the right time. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says this wonderful verse. says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Even when Jesus went to the cross, he made it abundantly clear it was all part of God's plan. He said to his disciples, you're going to deny me. And they did. He said to Pilate, you'll have no power over me if it wasn't given to you from above, which it was at that time. Jesus is very clear in John chapter 10, before he goes to Pilate, that no one takes his life but he lays it down willingly. And if he lays it down, it's within his hands to pick it up again, to take his life back again. And the Gospel of Matthew and John are very clear to show in the, in the crucifixion account that actually Jesus, when he knew that all the scriptures had been fulfilled, he gave up his spirit. He chose when he was going to die. The Apostle Peter puts it like this in his preach at Pentecost. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. You see, the cross rather than being a tragic accident, was actually God's rescue plan. Because on that cross, there's a divine 
exchange, where we exchange all our sin, all the things that we've done wrong, and we receive the promise of salvation in our lives. All the wrongs that we have done get placed on Jesus when we put our faith in him. And all his righteousness that he has is given to us as a gift before God. We receive that. So when God looks at us, we're no longer stained by our sin, but we are righteous because of Jesus. The cross is the reason for Christmas. And the only way for us to get made right with God is not through us trying to clean up our act first and then we're God will accept us. No, no, no. Just like someone covered in oil is not fit to work in a, in a laundry business until they've been cleaned up. Likewise, for you and I, we need to be cleaned by Jesus before we're fit to do anything for God. The Bible is clear in Acts chapter 4 where it says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no name given under heaven among men by which we are to be saved, apart from Jesus. It's only through surrendering our lives to him do we get right with God. And then our lives get placed into God's hands. He's the one who is in control of our life there. And Jesus says this about all those who are in God's hands. He says, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. God is in control. He has your life in his hands, if you've given it to Jesus this morning. Our eternal future is safe. It cannot be crushed. It is a hope that cannot be defeated when we've believed in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Spirit of God in you, the Spirit that Adam was praying you would just feel afresh on you this morning and in you afresh this morning. He is a guarantee of our inheritance that we are going to receive in Christ. The Apostle John puts it this way, I write these things to you who believe so that you may know you have eternal life. The Apostle Paul tells us that even if we are faithless, even when we make mistakes, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's how good God is. And the Apostle Peter puts it like this in the opening of his first letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded by, uh, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time or at the right time. Notice it's the power of God that is guarding and sustaining the faith of his people. Our salvation is secure because it rests in the power of God. That is why it cannot be crushed. That is why it is certain. 
you know, we do have good works to do. God wants us to be, he has things for us to be involved in, which we, which out of obedience we do, and sometimes out of obedience, we, out of disobedience, we, we, we don't do. And that does impact our rewards that God's got for us, certainly. But God will ensure that his plan is fulfilled to take this gospel, this good news, to the very ends of the earth. And then the end will come. That hope of being with God for eternity on a renewed and perfected world where everything is perfect, where there's no evil, there's no pain, there is no death, is the certain hope that cannot be crushed of all those people who put their faith in Jesus. And it's dependent on Christ's finished work, not ours. It's unstoppable, even though many people have tried to stop it. Actually, the kingdom of God continues to grow. And all because Jesus came as a helpless babe all those years ago. So as we go from here, let's go celebrating and knowing that the hope that we have in Jesus is a certain hope which cannot be crushed by anybody because God upholds it by his limitless power. Amen? Amen.